Welcome to Frank Bruno Law. I am Frank Bruno. I'm an elder law, probate, estate planning, guardianship attorney. Today's topic, I am going to take you through a scenario that was presented to me by a prospective client today. Before I get to that, my office can be reached through the website, frankbrunolaw.com. You can make an appointment to speak with me. Um, small conversation, just like the one I, I had today. And I'll take you through, take you through it. I had spoken to a, um, an adult child of a person that was in, I'm going to give you, this is based on a true story, right? I'll change some of the things. So for purposes of this story, uh, there's an adult child. I'm going to use a female adult child. Uh, I'll make it a brother and sister. So I might say he or she. So this person called me and asked me a series of questions and we had uh, an engagement concerning, um, and I'll make the person uh, the mother. And the mother will be a widow. So her mother uh, is presently in a hospital. Uh, there was a slip and fall and will be sent to a rehabilitation center. Many times the rehabilitation centers are located inside of a nursing home facility. And the questions presented to me and over the next few days, I'm going to address some of these questions because this is a frequently asked type scenario. So um, the mother owns a home. The mother has money. The mother may come from the nursing home, uh, well, it's a rehabilitation center, back to the home, needing care. What does this person and her sibling do? Um, they work full time. How can we help our mother? She lives alone, right? So this is the scenario. This is what we have to go through. And then the questions went, they ranged from uh, the healthcare proxy, uh, maybe mental capacity, um, some documents were in place. Uh, can mom qualify for community Medicaid? Uh, we don't want to put her into a nursing home, but can we even qualify for that? Right. So uh, mom owns a home. What do we have to do with the house? Right? These are the type of questions that we get. So let me hit the, um, uh, where should I start first? Uh, healthcare proxy. Um, so a healthcare proxy is the type of document that allows uh, your proxy, the person that you designate uh, to speak to your medical professionals when you do not have capacity, say you're in a coma, you're unconscious, you're knocked out. It allows your proxy to speak to those uh, healthcare professionals on your behalf. It could even include getting medical records, uh, things like that. Oftentimes, the hospitals, the institutions will use this document to really speak to you about the care of your parent. Um, and if you have a parent that's competent, that may be overreaching. So, uh, but it's the best document that we might have um, 
another one that's that's also, and I'll, I'll end with this document and then I'll go through some of the other scenarios. I just wanted to set the stage today. Um, another useful document uh, would be the HIPAA. The HIPAA is, uh, I'm sure we all get uh, those um, HIPAA notices, compliance notices uh, annually. When you go to your primary care physician, you probably have to sign a HIPAA form or, or, or get the notification on the little computer screen that they put when you have to put your thumbprint, right? It's in this new modern era. So that would be uh, a, uh, the takeaway from today would be that you should have a healthcare proxy and a HIPAA uh, completed together. And that rounds out uh, the what your proxy can do. Uh, so this adult child should have those two documents. And even the brother, could be uh, brother, sister, two brothers, whatever the, the parent wants, those adult children um, should have both a proxy and a, um, a HIPAA. Continuing my series, this is part two, of some questions and my responses in a telephone consultation. So yesterday I depicted the scenario, an adult child and uh, you know, I'm morphing facts, right? Uh, he could be she, mother could be father. That's not really the important thing and I'm not divulging prospective clients information. Uh, adult child telephoned, uh, parent is in a, uh, is in the hospital, is going to a rehabilitation center uh, to get physically a little bit stronger for the probable return home, right? That's the goal. Physically get strong so that parent can come home. The adult child wants to get some things in place. Uh, yesterday I spoke, in, I spoke about the healthcare proxy. Uh, in, in this fact pattern, there is uh, a parent has money, maybe a hundred thousand, parent owns a home. Issue is, should the house come out of the mother's name? Should the house remain in the mother's name? Uh, what are the rules and regulations concerning removal of money from the bank account? Can that be done safely? Is it advisable? Does it trigger any period of uh, look back or um, does it forfeit? Does it you know, uh, cause you to forfeit your ability to get Medicaid? So we're going in turn, we're hitting some things um, so in this case, there was not an issue about uh, dementia, not an issue about capacity. And the inquiry was about a power of attorney in this larger context. And as part of your estate planning uh, toolbox, the elder law uh, client, the person that's you know, that has a parent in, in this situation, the parent really should have a power of attorney so that the adult child or any trusted person can go to the bank, can potentially or possibly at some future point uh, gift. Maybe uh, possibly they could apply for Medicaid or long-term care uh, services so that the person with the power of attorney can engage their financial 
analyst, their broker, right? Their stockbroker, depending on what the person has. But even if you have little to no money, a power of attorney is a useful document to deal with social security, to deal with your insurance company, to deal with your cable company, to deal with national grid or Verizon. Right? So the power of attorney really helps the caregiver step in the financial shoes of the person um, you know, that's in this situation. So I don't know if I wanna go to the next topic. My topics usually take a couple of minutes. So uh, again, we're working through this fact pattern, um, but a power of attorney is a useful document to have for a, a variety of reasons. And it's based on capacity. Ah, this is the other point. I often get calls where a, uh, a child will say, my mom has dementia. My mother has the onset of dementia. My mother is forgetful. Now, in a non-therapeutic, non-medical reply to that, is the person, you know, momentarily lucid? Are they intermittently competent? Can they sometimes know things? And, you know, what is the standard? Well, do they know who they are, their name, where they are, uh, the object of their bounty, what they own, what they have, who's important to them in their life? Can we engage in a conversation? You know, I don't necessarily need them to, to tell me that today is Tuesday, um, but if it's day and they say it's night, that I know they're not, they, they don't have capacity to sign a document. So uh, get, get your ducks in a row, get your plan in place in these documents before you face the issue of capacity. Uh, so I went through uh, power of attorney, uh, healthcare proxy, and now I'm up to the stage. In the conversation uh, that took place, the inquiry was, hey, my mom's gonna need some assistance. Can you assist me with Medicaid? Now, again, in the fact pattern, the person owns a home, the person has money in the bank. I said it's gonna be about 100,000 for this example. Everyone has a fact-specific um, you know, situation as to uh, whether or not they need community Medicaid or institutional Medicaid. And then what are their assets and resources? Now, for the purpose of today's video, I'll let you know that community Medicaid, that's assistance in the home, uh, medical insurance and an aid coming into the home, maybe four hours, a few times a week, up to 24 hours a day, where a person will reside in their own home and get outside assistance. Community Medicaid has its own set of rules and regulations. Uh, they're specific, no, I don't wanna use the words. Well, they are specific. Uh, however, the criteria is based on uh, three things. Does the person need the aid uh, physically? Do they physically need the aid? Is their body uh, in such a state, a condition, that they can't take care of the activities of daily living, and do they need Medicaid? Then we have a financial component. Assets, which are called resources. How much money do they have? Do they have properties? Do they have money, financial accounts, right? That type of uh, resources. 
and monthly income. Those same three uh, criteria, three criteria, those same three apply for the institutional Medicaid, but the numbers are different. The income is different. The assets that you're permitted are different. What's countable and not countable. Um, so both programs, the two different programs, are uh, they have different um, eligibility requirements. So that's what I went through on the phone and a little bit of a, uh, you know, a dialogue. Person has a question, I answer. I guess another question or I have to clarify a point and that's what we do on our phone calls. Uh, this is this was a prospective client phone call. If you need, if you are a prospective client, if you'd like to speak with me, please uh, go to the website, frankbrunolaw.com.